0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode number 160 of the Apolog podcast. I'm your host, Simon Head. Thank you for showing up here at my door. And let me thanks for letting me entertain you for this is now going on three years. I think as of two weeks from now, it'll be three years in podcasting. Okay, so Anyways, thanks very much. And this podcast is brought to you in part by Bowes All Natural Brewing Company. Check out their Lugtred beer. Lugtred is a lagered ale. It's a term they coined. It's fermented like an ale and cold aged like a lager. It's been Bowes' flagship brand since they opened in 2006. And as of 2017, it's now available in 355 milliliter cans for the first time. And it's won more than 20 wards. Check out the Kissmire Nordic Pale Ale. It's really delicious. It tastes like an IPA. Check out their Wag the Wolf. It's part of the Wild Oats series. The Tom Green Cherry Milk Stout makes your lips sticky. If you drink too much of it. It's a milk cherry milk stout. I don't know what it is. It sounds like old English stuff, but it's good. It's delicious. Check out their full-time IPA. It's Hoppy, Fruity, and Bold. It's their new full-time brand, which is how they got the name. This medium-body ale finishes dry with linger-hop notes and fruit notes. And if you're a beer nerd, that means it's good. Pick up Bose anywhere beer is sold nationwide. Sorry, Americans, you can't get it. Well, you could get it, but you can't. So try. Go across the border, get get the beer, and come back. Say when they say you're going across the border, say, I'm just getting gas. And they'll believe you. Don't forget your passport. So go to Bose.ca for more info on the great products they have. Hey, Amazon shoppers, do you like to shop on Amazon? Of course you do. If you want to support the show, go to AppleLog.ca slash Amazon or AppleLog.ca slash US Amazon. And those are redirects. And what they do is take you right to Amazon. And every time you shop on Amazon, use that link and you will be supporting the show. Cost you no extra money. And it's very helpful. It's very helpful to the show. If you want to support the show on a monthly basis, go to patreon.com slash Pledge as much or as little as you want on a monthly basis to help with hosting and gas fees. You can cancel at any time. Go to appalogue.ca shop to buy a t-shirt. Also, I got some Foursquare there. My old band called Foursquare. And there's a discography there you can buy for $20. If you're on iTunes, which everybody is, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show. Give it five stars. Like the show on Facebook by going to facebook.com slash And follow me on Twitter at SimonHead666. Today on the show, I have a very dear, old, great person, friend, uh, coworker, person I toured all over North America with in the mid. His name is Mark Belke. And Mark and I... I was trying to get Mark on the show the, When I first Started putting the show together Because he was one of the f- four or five people I really wanted to speak to and, um, and actually, truthfully I didn't think Mark wanted to be on the show But it turns out he did And it took 160 episodes to get him on the show And I thought there was some sort of contractual thing Because he worked in radio Or all this stuff like that so, But here he is, everybody My good friend, Mark Belke On the Epilogue podcast
1: a place actually i live a block away from a golf course <laughs> seriously i can walk down to cedar hill golf course at twilight and play three holes like or whatever get in how many i can get in so and i thought i lived close before i was like five minutes away but now i'm like seriously like, walk down with my clubs so that's awesome yeah. uh we've been in victoria for four years now basically as long as my son has been around mm-hmm. Gus was born four years ago and uh, just love Victoria. We want to move back to the West Coast because we want it to be closer to family. And most of our family's in Vancouver, but we love Victoria. So, and we think it's more livable culturally. It's really, you know, on par with Vancouver and a lot of other cities. And it's just easier to get around. It's just weather's a little bit nicer and we love it here. Love it.
0: Yeah, I, I I don't I don't know what I was in Vancouver last year around August, and I don't really. It's a little different than it was I think twenty years ago when I kind of lived there for one summer or one a couple of months at a time. It feels a little I don't know. Doesn't feel the same.
1: Uh, yeah, it's a little. I find it a little claustrophobic because mm-hmm. I li- I moved away for a while too when I got into radio about um, what would be like a eight. eight 12 10 years ago 11 years ago and i moved up to smithers and moved out to thunder bay so i was away from vancouver for quite a while and when i got back it was seemed very the same thing you're talking about to me it it's a little claustrophobic and a little i don't know it's just like way more people there right yeah and it's just more dense harder to get around all the places all the places used to take for shortcuts to get yeah. through not shortcuts anymore <laughs> and things like that
0: yeah,
1: yeah. and uh it's still an incredible city, but I don't know I prefer Victoria,
0: yeah, I'd really love to live in Vancouver like when our kids are older and can live on their own or how enjoy their lives for them I think Vancouver and the West Coast in general is kind of a place that I think it has this thing to it that i i really i can i love you know I was out there at Whistler when I was like in my twenties for like whatever a couple of months, and I'm like, this is the best, you know, so maybe I'm just trying to hang on to. You know past days or something because it feels different
1: <clears throat> well it's ge- i mean geographically it's spectacular yeah. right you're on the ocean and there's mountains and ocean and if you're canadian you you like want to live in canada it's like that got the mildest weather yeah and so geographically spectacular when you mo- live in vancouver or anywhere on the west coast for a long time and you move somewhere else it's sort of a letdown you get it's sort of like oh yeah that's nice but and you miss it because it sort of becomes part of you and you want to be there yeah i think
0: yeah i went i went up to whistler to go i was supposed to go up meet up a friend with a friend and we were supposed to go you know look around at whistler and it was i think the olympics really 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 messed up whistler i don't know why it seems like i think it did too it's insane you know you can't it used to be a place to me when i was in my 20s even though it was a tourist trap there seemed to be like places for everybody to do something and now, maybe it's disconnected from me or something because like, I went there and I'm like, "Oh, if I was a mountain biker, this'd be awesome because they have all like then now the the mountain biking trade has taken over in the summer, yeah, where it just used to be dead. And maybe that's the thing. It's just they figured out, oh, we put bikes in the hill it's it's going to be way way more profitable." Well, that was the
1: first place that was the first place I saw that it was at Whistler, yeah. went up one summer, and I was like, "Wow, they're riding on the hill, and yeah. now it's common every ski hill does the same thing, yeah, yeah, even the small ones out here. Yeah, but Whistler—it's you can't afford to live in Whistler. There's all these stories of people living in their cars, and yeah. <clears throat> like all the common people that they need to run the, you know, simple places like stores and restaurants and mm. people that places that people want to go. <clears throat> uh, people can't afford to do those jobs and live there, yep. and it's a problem that Vancouver is going to be dealing with too.
0: Yeah, like I—I I met there. I, there's still like a cheap pizza place there. And I was having a slice and I was talking to the owner. I said, wow, mm. how the Olympics were? And he goes, actually, it was completely horrible because no general population would come and buy dirty old pizza. Like his business oh, right. almost went under because it was like, everybody just wants to be healthy. They won't eat my crappy pizza. And uh, <laughs> it almost killed him. <laughs> but, it was, you know, so it was one of these interesting, oh, okay. And the obviously general population couldn't really walk around the Whistler Village like we do now. But it was a bit of a letdown. But I, I did enjoy, I took over to the creek side and I found a place to park and just walked up the hill for a kilometer. And it was like, okay, this this is why I rented a car. <laughs> this is why I took this trip, this little forage yeah. out, you know. Yeah. But uh, Yeah, you know. We have a I, fr-
1: yeah, Go ahead. We have a friend who lived there for a long time and loved it, but c- couldn't live there anymore. Yeah. And actually bought a place in Collingwood.
0: Oh, wow. Well, Squamish is the place now, I think, where people want to live. It's blown up? Yeah. Yeah. It used to be this weird little town that the Beaver <clears throat> bus would stop at. And now it's... It's it's huge.
1: It's one of the, cause it's like one of the fastest growing communities in Canada. Really? Yeah.
0: So let's talk music. <laughs> I uh mm-hmm. I obviously everybody knows you from SNFU. They know you from wheat Chiefs, and they know you, that you've you've been playing music your whole life. And you know, there's the other part you know that people don't know about you. But let's when you're talking about SNFU. I've talked to Chai, I've talked to Brent twice, and I've talked to Rob, and I haven't talked to Dave Reese yet, but I've almost talked to everybody who is in that era, that sort of epitaph era of, of the band. But, I mean, meeting Chai for the first time in Edmonton must have been a, kind of a pretty fun endeavor. Oh, you cut out. Your mic cut out.
1: I'm there, back.
0: Here you are.
1: Uh, you want to, about meeting Chai for the first time? Yeah. Oh, it was such a long time ago. We were teenagers. Yeah. And we really met through skateboarding in Edmonton. And it was like right when skateboarding was in its infancy. <clears throat> and uh, like the first wave of skateboarding, the whole dog town thing and the urethane wheel just started coming, coming around. And the technology was coming together. Um, it was a small group of people that skateboarded. And you'd go around to skateboard events and skier sports shop. We had the first half pipe in Edmonton and he, Ken chin and especially his brother, Danny was an exceptional skateboarder. He just like blew people's minds. Cause he was like one of the only people that could truly ride this huge half pipe that skiers had put there mm-hmm. and uh, everyone would sort of be like trying to ride it and fall down mm-hmm. and trying to figure out how to skateboard. And Danny would get up there and just rip it like one wheeling the edge, like way up in the air blow people away. And Ken was really good as well. He did sort of the same thing. And so we would see him at all these skateboard events every now and then. And you'd sort of find out, oh, that's Ken. And then uh, you started hearing about punk rock in skateboarder magazines and things like that. And it was such a part of skateboarding that we became interested in the music. So when punk shows started happening in Edmonton, we'd occasionally go to punk rock shows and... You know, we didn't really know anybody except, uh, I can't remember who else would have gone with us. Maybe me and Brent, but we always see we'd see Ken there. We'd be like, oh, there's Ken Jin from the skiers team, and eventually sort of said hi and sort of started a friendship from that, and just sort of started listening to records together. And we remember like going over to his house. He was living with his sister and Danny in an apartment downtown in uh, Edmonton. We'd go there and listen to his records. And then he'd come over to our house and listen to the records we had and stuff like that. And he'd steal some of our stuff. And, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and we'd realize like six months later, Oh, there's my jacket. Wow. wow, <laughs> oh. and, uh, so, and it was like that. It was like a, he was like a totally fun guy to hang out with, like a really funny guy. And, uh, we had the same interests like skateboarding, both love skateboarding, both love punk rock. So, it was like really totally fun hanging out with them.
0: Yeah, yeah. And you would write early days. Was it you writing most of the music, or was it everybody kind of contributing in to the to the to the early early days of SNFU?
1: Well, I think everyone sort of contributed. I, I think me and Brent actually collaborated a lot more at the in the beginning of the band than we did later mm-hmm. in the history of the group. Um, I think it was more of a collaboration. Mm-hmm. i might have written a bit more but um i think it was really a collaboration i mean there's i mean and when everyone came in with their parts it wasn't really discussed that much people just sort of play what they did yeah and brett would come up with his parts and and no one was going to be like hey, you can't play that part or yeah. you, that sounds everyone was really sort of um i don't know the right word uh i guess people were sort of insecure about how good they were anyway because we were just starting to play guitar we were just starting to arrange music we're just starting to learn about how to play it so you you weren't really secure enough to be like telling other people what to play yeah so so everyone would just write what they did and like the first incarnation of the band truly the most talented um experienced musician was evan our drummer yeah easily like he could play guitar he would come out of the song he'd write the song verse chorus verse chorus yeah. verse gus
0: oh my gosh i haven't met gus yet oh my gosh <laughs> that's the internet run away <laughs> <laughs> and uh he was like the most
1: he would like write whole songs yeah. and he'd be like wow okay and he was a good drummer and like like really musically experienced compared to us
0: yeah yeah it. yeah when it when it <laughs> when it comes to music <clears> the <throat> influences like obviously there's heavy metal influences. What was like what was I mean, the Clash and like punk rock stuff like that too, but like what was when you write songs what would you really really attribute it like your major influence in those early early days? Um uh good question.
1: Well I, it it would sort of I mean it would sort of go in streaks it depends what you were listening to. Yeah. Cuz I remember we like we listened to a lot of Sex Pistols stuff, but I don't know if it really it wrote anything that sounded like the Sex Pistols diva like diva was a huge musical influence for us because mm-hmm. i know that totally inspired us to just like try to do something and Uncontrollable Urge was like one of the first songs we learned on guitar okay Or as a band not with but that was like even before us in a few with a friend phil larson who was a big influence for us just a, a neighborhood friend who introduces to a lot of punk rock records and bruce springsteen and stuff like that
0: mm-hmm.
1: and uh So, Diva was a big influence. And uh, I don't know who else was. I mean, all the obvious ones, the Ramones. Yeah. Obviously. Uh, Talking, like one of the first songs we played as a band was a Talking Head song. Mm -hmm. I remember another band we had where I played drums. We played a Roxy Music song, which I had no idea what it sounded like. (laughs) And then, like, (laughs) but played it. We even performed it for people. Uh, The Strand, I think it was. Yeah. And then hearing it, like, fifteen years later going, Oh, <laughs> this is that song that I was playing. Yeah. I had no idea what it sounded like. Well, I uh, like
0: the thing about the Devo is Divo is, is is the most outrageous, yeah, band and music and, and there was like they didn't really sort of adhere to any form and style, but at the same time they had, you know, they had it where it counted when it came to writing songs. But the openness, I think what you're saying with the openness really adds to the fact like that you're willing to sort of experiment not just with traditional punk rock or sort of fall into that punk rock well, this is what we're supposed to sound like it was like, yeah. yeah that's i think that's early that's a good thing to sort of understand about your band is that it wasn't yeah. just punk rock it was all sorts of other stuff like I even, even like 10 years or 15 years later, when I jump in the van and you guys, we start listening to like, you know, La Love It on, 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 the, on the, on the CD player. It's like, wow. Okay. All right. I like this because it's not just about punk rock. It's about music. Yeah. Well, you, you know,
1: who, you know who I think is the biggest band for us or for me in that regard is The Clash. Yeah. Because they were always like, you'd love the, you'd love The Clash and everything they played and their attitude. There's like brilliant band, right? you'd see them that you be they'd have like uh, some kind of reggae t-shirt on or something.
0: Yeah.
1: Or they'd be listening to reggae and you'd always be like, Oh, well the clash like reggae. So I got to listen to reggae. So you'd start yeah. listening. You'd be exploring music. Yeah. And they were so big for that. They were like the first band that really, uh, that did like a, like was doing rapping on music. Like when Sandinista came out, like, yeah. and I don't think they got much, that much credit for it, but that was really, they were like trying to rap on they were doing like a rap rock thing before anybody was doing it yeah but just that just how they were had all these influences that they exposed to people when you love the clash it was like yeah i got to be like the clash and i got i want to explore this music yeah so it became like that and but also we talk about early influences a lot of the local bands that we saw like were right in front of us like the diefen bakers that we could go see at a hall and go to like the first hall shows we ever went to that was just like
0: wow yeah like
1: and if i went back now they probably weren't that good But it was like mind blowing to see, to go to a show and they're like five feet in front of you and it's loud and everyone's jumping around. And, you know, that's mind blowing stuff. And the local bands and the bands from Vancouver that would come tour through Vancouver, it was like, oh, subhumans are coming and DOA was coming. And you'd go to these halls where your friends were there and there's people your own ages and there'd be older people that were just like so, you'd be like, you know, looking at them was so, Intriguing and curious, yeah it was like a big thing, you know, so it, like a lot of local like the Vancouver bands and stuff, and just local bands were really big influences for us,
0: yeah yeah, and it's funny it's pre MTV or pretty much music, obviously i it's tough it's like this perfect storm of where I got something that I can't do there's nothing to do I'm in a small town in Edmonton or a small part of Edmonton I'm gonna go to the t- to see a show be completely like blown away because there's no real gauge on you know what I mean? Like the the exposure to talent. So you're like everything yeah. is awesome. <laughs> so when everything is amazing, then everything becomes influential, you know. And and then you know, I think much music and all that kind of came around and was sort of telling people rather than like influencing in a mass crowd. It started saying, "Okay, everybody, here's the new John Cougar Mellencamp record." You know, like this. You know, and yeah, that's that was my I've- generation. <laughs>
1: Yeah. And I think, uh, like you, I like, I sort of enjoyed videos, but really the whole, like the, the content was never, you never really could defend it. Right. But I mean, that was, was like, for me, I love, I love videos. I love mm-hmm. the whole idea, but the band's always sort of like, mm, I'm not sure. I really like this.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, in the early eighties, it's like, that's all you got. You got the live shows and, and then you have boredom and that's a good recipe for uh, fostering a, a scene, you know?
1: Yeah, and the other thing besides hall shows, the you'd just go to try to see any band you could go see. And uh the Riviera Hotel in Edmonton would book like one of the only bars that would book punk rock bands. So like bands like the Cardboard Brains would play there from Toronto. Yeah. You know, the Cardboard Brains no. or whatever. The <laughs> Alley Cats from LA, mm-hmm. like all these all these bands that would be willing to go on the road, the Diodes, and they would they would be booked at that place. Yeah. And you could Ken, Ken Chin, Chai, knew how to sneak in. <laughs> you'd you'd go up into the hotel to the second floor, and then you'd go through the exit, and you'd come in through an exit beside the stage. So basically, you'd wait till a band was playing, and there was people on the dance floor, and you'd go in and just go right to the dance floor. <laughs> <laughs> and you'd end up seeing some bands like that, yeah. too. And it was always just such a thrill, right? Because yeah. you're like... He's like the first bands you've ever seen, it. and they're and it's different. It's not like you're in a, in a big theater; they're like right in your face. Yeah, so you really get like yeah. it's pretty like mind blowing thing.
0: Yeah, I mean when you when you start writing and becoming a band and playing music and getting you know someone in in, in the states putting your record out like on B Y O right, and that is a uh, I mean that's a pretty I talked to Brent about this and he's like he was he was like blown away like how could somebody from a whole other country. You know be into the band and put stuff out you know and and you guys were a young band right like getting in a van and traveling was sort of obviously a new thing but that's what you kind of had to do and that and you guys would take off and you told me about how you would you would go and take all the money and put it back into the band and try to live you know make the band like a business and all that stuff and it was like it's a that's pretty early that's good you know like a lot of bands are like don't do that you know like who started that whole business business ethic uh
1: well i guess it was just sort of like a common sense thing wasn't there was like a wasn't like a, there was a lot of money anyway yeah and i think there was always like uh there's always more things that we wanted to do right and we knew that we couldn't do it without money mm. and we also had um gubby our manager at the time Gub faboda um he always he was like very sensible too and he was like well we got to, we need money to do this we need to do this and he was always like sort of thinking with us mm-hmm. I don't think we made some of the greatest decisions I still think that looking back now we should have put out our own record yeah. but the the whole thought of being on BYO and being on a label from California it was very hard to say no right which was just yeah. like yeah we can go to California <laughs> and we were huge fans of everything that was gone in California like the circle jerks and uh, you know, black flag and the whole thing was like, that was like God for us. Right. Mm-hmm. So to be closer to that and be able to go down to California was just like, wow, mm-hmm. it's really hard to say no. Right? Yeah. And but also very naive about the music industry too. That's why I, when I say we probably made a few mistakes, I, we really signed sort of a standard record contract with BYO where they kept like our song, a lot, big chunk of our songwriting royalties and our, our publishing, I should say, mm-hmm. not our royalties. Yeah. Um they are one of the few labels that pay royalties to us all the time. Mm-hmm. But and I uh, love the Stern Brothers. Mm-hmm. But uh very exciting and kind of strange that this a band from Edmonton got signed from a band a label from LA. Mm-hmm. For sure.
0: It, so did you did you mail out cassettes like I forgot how how it all came together. Um
1: no. I mean we first met the Stern Brothers when the if you've seen the another state of mind movie with Social yes. Distortion and Youth okay. Brigade, yeah, yeah. That's the tour where they first came up through Western Canada and then headed out east to Montreal and stuff. And and that so they played Edmonton, Social Distortion, Youth Brigade, and uh, what turned out to be Vice Squad. And that's when we first met the Stern brothers. And I think we went down to that's when we first met them. Mm-hmm. And they went and partied at Gubby's house and stuff like that. And, and Gubby met them. They came back the next summer on their own and toured with the stretch marks. And we got on the bill with them in Calgary. I don't think the tour played Edmonton. We played with them in Calgary and went out to Winnipeg with, or Regina played the show with them there. So we played a few shows with them and, uh, they, Oh, we've recorded the something to believe in record, the song. So we must've been in touch with them. Gabby must've been in touch with them or something before Mm -hmm. they came up. Mm -hmm. And, uh, because when we got to Winnipeg, we recorded one song for this There's Something to Believe in compilation. We recorded Womanizer. And because I, I remember we played in Calgary, and there was always talk over the three or four days that where Mark was like, yeah, we were like that song, uh, Victims and the Womanizer. You should record that song. We should record that song. And so we did the song. We got to Winnipeg, and we played the show there and played shows with Youth Brigade. And they just I guess they were looking to do an album with somebody. And I guess they thought we were as good as anybody. I think we had, and we had like, we were sort of an interesting band, right? Like Chai was yeah. like Chai to this day is like when you see him perform live, there's nobody like Chai, like nobody. Right. Yeah. And, and what do you, what do you want to see when you go see a band? You want to see like, yeah. chaos. I don't know about you, but I want to see something that's going to, that's I'm not expecting. Mm-hmm. I don't want to see Oh, this is okay. Yeah. Put my hand in the air now, <laughs> you know? You know? And chai gives you every night. Gives you the unexpected, and that's—he's brilliant that way.
0: Hit or and or miss. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. So when, oh, okay. So you put the record out, you tour it, and it's and it's. I mean, did you notice like, hey, we're like, was there some sort of like, hey, we're a real band now. Like this is it. Like we're this is the rest. We're gonna do this the rest of our lives, or was it still trepidation and trying to well it was
1: well i think it was always like small i remember always sort of being small steps right because i remember it'd be like okay we played these shows so it's like, and it was i remember it's like okay we got to get a show in calgary let me do that be like gotta get gotta play winnipeg Mm. play winnipeg and then it was like oh we got to get a recording it was always like we'd set there'd be like these small goals of things that we really need to do yeah and uh and we just sort of kept doing it i mean it was always sort of and it's i mean it's like golfing in in a way it's like if you keep getting a little
0: better you keep playing yeah and you you forgot how crappy you were in the day yeah
1: Yeah. (laughs) and you keep getting better and it makes it it's funner yeah and you just you just keep you keep doing it right Mm -hmm. and i mean i always wanted to be that's all i wanted to do when i was in high school i just wanted to play in a punk rock band yeah that's all i wanted to do and i was very focused Had a lot of people throughout high school and are all around me going you can't do that you shouldn't do that you can't do that Mm -hmm. and i didn't i mean growing up i didn't really feel like a lot of people were listening to me and it got to a point where i was just like the heck with you guys i'm just gonna do what i want yeah and that's what i did and i i really loved it and to this day i look back at doing that and it was the one thing where i was really feel like i was in control of what i was doing and and i definitely didn't make all the right decisions in my career but uh that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. I mean, I really feel like I lived the dream, you
0: know? Absolutely. Well, a lot of people, it's tough explaining what it was to have, you know, even, even me and my own personal success, when it can, success means I get to go play in front of people and people buy records. That to me is success. And it doesn't mean like, it means that there's some validation there, but that's kind of, I mean, that's what you kind of live for, you know? And that's what me and in a band is kind of all about. You want to have, you want to have some sort of response, you give it out and it comes back to you. you give it you know but you know a lot of if you would have just stuck around edmonton and kind of like been a local hero kind of band and stayed there we wouldn't be talking you know what i mean like you guys took yeah. a lot of big step big but believe you say little steps i think they're big steps if you think about it if you're 20 years old jump in a van that you know might not run properly or and you go play <laughs> <laughs>
1: we had you, some good vans yeah it might have wheels
0: by the time you come back and then I mean, these are all the chances that you take and it's tough to explain that to people. Like, yeah, it sounds like it was super awesome and exciting, but a lot of it kind of sucked, yeah, at times, you know, and Oh, I know, I know. Just there having a lot of wondering what you're doing here kind of thing. Yeah, and, and then you compound that with being twenty one years old or whatever, and not really being fully developed as an adult. You know, having to deal with Rejection is as hard, I think, as trying to deal with success. Is that, you know, what I mean? oh, yeah, you know, because you're like, oh, well, because everybody, when you're 21, you have no clear thought into like what, you know, most people don't, anyways. And that's why I have, yeah, that's why they have like Justin Bieber's with big managers because that kid would just be a mess. <laughs> he was a mess for a while, but it's tough to cope and grasp with not just the success, but the failure well
1: yeah it is hard and you i mean you do learn uh usually when you're well into it years later that it it really doesn't matter what people think Mm -hmm. and you can't operate as an artist on a level if you care that much about what people think you have it has to be a pure you know expression of what you're trying to do and you have to really just put it out there because you love it and i know that snfu some of we've there's some songs that I listen to now that seemed very questionable to me. <laughs> but I know we we released them because they were, we had a laugh, right? Yeah. especially in a lot of some later songs that Chai's lyrics, I just laugh, right? I, it's like, this is a, such super ridiculous songs that never should have been released. <laughs> yeah, but I know why we did them because we just had we thought it was a fun thing. Yeah, yeah. But you have to just uh, you don't learn that lesson for a long time. And so when you're releasing material as a young artist, when you're talking about someone in their 20s, or know 21 or something like that it's hard sometimes because you do people will review your music and you want it people to love it and you know what sometimes they really don't love it yeah it can be kind of crushing yeah it's really hard in your confidence you know yeah
0: and just you know like i kind of went through the whole record industry issue my but i I was fortunate enough to be in my late 20s when it all started when things started happening for me musically but and i could kind of cope with it but that's probably why I didn't do it for a long term. And a you know, long period of time is that I had a free thought. And I'm like, yeah, I don't want to do that. I don't want to, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to bow, bend over and make, you know, do everything you want me to do because you think it's right. Like, I have my own thoughts and feelings and, on this matter. So, like, having to do things as a band, you know, I even, even just in the Epitaph days where we would go and play on top of a hill, it was freezing cold with no heat and no real sound check and no, you know what I mean? No <laughs> like, you know, the yeah. show we're at Blackcomb playing on the frost yeah. line, freezing cold, right out of Australia, by the way, where it was summer. Yeah. And yeah. having to, like, oh, this sucks. It's, I should be yeah. having a great time, but right now this fucking sucks.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it, it is. But they're the most memorable shows. But yeah. I also know that some of, I know after you do like a few hundred shows, a few thousand shows, that you, you go roll into some venues that are really small and seem really strange and you just know they're going to be a totally fun show
0: yeah
1: i don't know why because there's i think you let your guard down you have no expectations Yeah, and uh and chai you know credit to chai he would always chai performed like no matter what like and they always to me some of those weird awkward shows try to be the funnest shows
0: yeah the,
1: the hard the hard things that make it hard i think are when you're out for a very long time And I remember moments when we were touring in Florida in the late 90s where there's really bad skinhead problems and not even a lot of skinheads, but just like 10 guys, like wrecking a whole show of like 300 kids and things like that, just being super violent and chasing people down the street. And you're just like, what am I doing here? Mm -hmm. Like, this is really weird. And situations like that are kind of hard. And uh, sometimes just like being away from home, not everybody handles that. I know sometimes for me, I'd sort of just miss having like some kind of normal being able to like just walk down to the store and yeah get a magazine or yeah. whatever yeah, yeah. instead of being in a van all the time it becomes kind of a grind That's
0: yeah right. yeah i mean I, I haven't really done long tours playing wise but i could see how that could really affect your uh your psyche because everybody needs to be in the van at this time like what i'm an adult why do i why are we leaving at three well we got the show to do at six and we have three hours together. Oh. Okay. Well, here we go. You know what I mean? It's like, it's, oh, it's, I know. it's, it's, that's the life. You know, that's what has to happen. You know, um, it, it,
1: it helps you when it helps you when you become a father, though.
0: That's true. Get yeah, Good. Re- let's go.
1: Let's I'm, go. Come on. Let's go.
0: Come on. Let's go. I'm good at driving. <laughs> oh, go. my, my family doesn't like long road trips and I love them. I love them. <laughs> we went to PEI and I uh, drove pretty much all the way to Quebec City by myself. Like, this is the best. And you're like, we want to stop. <laughs> no, you don't. You need to get. <laughs> I know
1: we're gonna get there. I drive there. Jen crazy too. I drive Jen crazy because I never want to stop. I'm yeah, like, we could do it. We'll just keep driving.
0: <laughs> yeah. We were gonna drive it's down to Florida two years ago, and I'm like, I'm driving all the way. It's 19 hours. I can do that. I've done it before. Like, no, we're gonna stop. Like, somewhere. That
1: makes no sense at all. <laughs> no. it doesn't
0: make any sense. We'll we'll end up in Florida where we're supposed to stay at two in the morning, and no one will let you in. Like, oh, <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. Okay, we'll stop in we'll stop in the Antioch. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's you know well touring definitely does it you know I actually there's one time I woke up somewhere in a town on tour with us and a few and I didn't know what town I was in and this crazy thing was is I drove us there. Like I woke up <laughs> and I'm like where are we? <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: a good one. Yeah.
0: It was it's Kansas natural, by the way. Eh? It was Kansas. Uh-huh. Mm. So 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 the band breaks up, band gets back together. Um and, you know it's because it's because that that the reunion tour right like the reunion tour went over so well and and it sort of became like a became a it became s and became i don't know was it did it become cool again or did it become like somebody just started reinvent- like rediscovering like the timing seemed really crazy because all of a sudden you're playing in front of thousands of people
1: um well, I guess the timing was right we didn't. We did, there was no sort of notion like, okay, this, is, it wasn't very calculated like that at all. Yeah. It was just sort of, it was just sort of disenchantment with what, because we had a level of success with SNFU. We broke up and I think we we're, there's le- sort of a bit of disenchantment with what we were doing now at that time. Mm-hmm. I remember I was, I wasn't even, I was playing, I had the, uh, the we are doing We Chiefs or something yeah. or. Yep. you know what I was doing. Brent's calling and uh <laughs> on my
0: speakerphone. Hey. Hey. How's it going?
1: Good. Are you coming to town? Yeah, I'm talking to Simon right now. Oh. doing his podcast. Well, don't answer the phone for me. <laughs> <laughs> he told me to. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, give me a call tomorrow or okay. later after. I'm at the dojo, so I'll be here hanging out. Okay,
0: I'll call you. Okay. okay. Okay, bye. Well, there you go, uh, cameo. What are we That's, talking about? Brent's man. been on three times now, by the way. Oh yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, the reunion tour. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't. It wasn't calculated. We were just sort of like, it, the the idea came up, and we were asked, and it was just like, why not? You mm-hmm. know, I'm not really doing anything, and sort of the musical projects that we were doing at the time were, were just like little things, right? Just yeah, eh, it didn't. And. uh so it just sort of seemed exciting it at that time it was a chance to play with john card again yeah we we're really really john is an amazing drummer and it just seemed like sort of a fun thing to do we had no i didn't expect it to be as big as it was so it was easily the biggest tour we ever did mm-hmm. we came home with a lot of money like cash like everybody and it was totally fun and kurt was there kurt was playing bass yeah. and i after that tour i kept every time i kept Phoning Kurt all the time, like, come on, you gotta play bass first again. You gotta play bass first again. Want to play bass? <clears again." throat> yeah. Kept saying no. <laughs> and uh and I guess the time was sort of right. Like at that, it was sort of like Nirvana was happening just at, or almost at the same time as that, actually. Yeah. or just after. Because yeah. we we were supposed to play some, there's possibility of playing shows with Nirvana on that tour. And uh I so I guess really in the musical world, it was sort of happening. People were, re- you know, open for that kind of punk rock that type of music right yeah. and we had a good reputation in california because before we broke up we we were like number one live band on the flip side pole so i'm sure there was a lot of people that was still in their heads and it was really well it was like super fun tour it was like really fun
0: yeah and it sort of had rehashed new or made new relationships again with people like you you chai and brent or you and brent are obviously going to be close but you chai was was there was some sort of like disconnect between you guys and it was chai was slowly losing his mind a little bit even back then right
1: uh yeah uh a little bit i think did i think the wongs broke up too just before that or something yeah,
0: no i like think the- he, chai told me that he was gonna go do us a few reunion and that broke the wongs up <laughs> Oh, because oh. they're like, well, you can't, you got to choose bands. If I, it's, he was on the show like a year and a half Something. ago. So I have to listen to it, but I think that's what his explanation was. But then again, he was Can you go sit with mom? a little sedated at the time. So who knows? It's weird seeing Ken uh, or Chai drink beer. That's, to me, that's weird, even though that's, <laughs> that's all he does. But it, to me, you know, my Chai was like the guy that sat up all night smoking cigarettes and, you know, changing channel on TV and drawing. That was the Chai, yeah. you know, like the really serious, committed guy. And I think he still is, in a sense, when it comes to the band now. And I loved the version of the band. Like, they had um, the drummer from uh, UK Subs playing drums, and it was, it was pretty kick-ass. But, yeah. You know, Chai was hit and miss, though. Like, he was not... Yeah. The first show I... Actually, the first show I saw them play in Hamilton, I, I was almost, like, crying, because I couldn't believe, like, this is Chai. This is the Chai I knew. And it wasn't the chai. Right. And I told, I said to, uh, to Dave, I said, what the fuck is this? Why are you bringing this guy on tour with you? He can't even handle, like he was hiding behind little curtains. Like he was crazy. He was HR crazy, you know? Yeah. And, and, um, the next day we played, my band played with them, those two shows. And then we saw them in St. Catharines, and he actually apologized. I'm really sorry. I was on back painkillers and they're touring in a pickup truck, you know, like. Oh, God. So I could understand. But for me, my first encounter of Chai, I hadn't seen him in 10 years, you know. So it was a bit disheartening, you know. But he seemed to pull it together. And I think he's actually now getting stronger as a person. That band, I think, saved his life. I think he even said that the band getting back together now kind of saved him in a way, mm. you know. But uh, it's, yeah, it was sad. I saw the documentary. That was sad, you know. It was tough to see. I don't see. even know
1: why he did that. I, I'm not... Don't, I'm not a fan of that documentary at yeah. all no like i't I hard. Didn't, I, didn't, I didn't want to participate in it no and I didn't want to because at that time I didn't really have a lot I, I mean I, I as an artist I totally respect chai like I, I think he's amazing mm-hmm. I like really do like I said I think he gives you the unexpected every night when he performs and he no one does that like very few people do that mm-hmm. and so he's brilliant as an artist but uh just like a bat a lot of bad, uh, luggage or whatever with him. So I didn't think I had a lot of positive things to say about him when the documentary was being made, so I yeah. didn't do it. And then I, it was just like a pity party for yeah. Chai instead of going, let's make a documentary about how, you know...
0: Yeah, how awesome Positive he was. things, yeah, of
1: how great he was.
0: Yeah, the only and angle was the and, dirt. Yeah.
1: And it, it did that, and then it ends with that. It was just like, ah, uh, I was really disappointed with... And I think it's a bit exploitive, really. Yep. Like, I don't really... There's no, there's no point to it, really.
0: No, no. I mean, if it would be, uh, even a shadow of his former self, like you know what I mean, like because he can't eat right, he looks, he looks, you know, it's sad. He looks unhealthy. And I even asked him on the show, "Do you have a death wish? Like, are you, are you done? Like, are you finished here? You know?" And he's like, "No, I, I love." He's like, "Just can't eat properly." So he's like, "And I'm worried." You know, Like I think it's, it's one of these things though because. It'll go down in history that he is, and it was, and still is one of the greatest entertainers in Canadian punk rock, if not North American punk rock, if not, you know, as an entertainer he's one of the greats, but oh, that's, yeah. you know, so yeah, I just, you're, you're, I, you know, I don't want to get too much into it because I, I don't, you know, this is not why we're not on the show to talk about Chai, but, uh, but I, you know, I think your angle and your look at it is for the, for the documentary is pretty much on par with my, my point. It was like, Wow. That was that wasn't really <laughs> necessary. I mean, I mean, you want to tell the full
1: picture as when you do a documentary.
0: Yeah. But to me
1: it just sort of ended on like a pity party, which yeah. is not and and I mean I want to be he deserves a little sympathy, I guess, but yeah. it's not really I don't know. I was a little disappointed. Yeah. And it was also being made by these people with like they weren't that experienced. They hadn't made a lot of films before. And it's like right. I just thought SNFU deserved better than having people say hey, I'm gonna make a documentary for the first time. It's <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> yeah, so you to do it.
0: Yeah. It's like Yeah. So well it's a testament anyway. to the to the to the band's freeless freeness of it all too. It's like, ah oh, sure you're interested. Like, okay, let's do it. You know <laughs> there's no like, well let's take oh, yeah. this out. You know, let's make a business decision here.
1: <laughs> yeah. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well I mean, you know, when Yeah, then, you know, there was sort of like that moment in a few where it was a two guitar players and then Brent quit and then Dave quit and then it was a four piece and then and then you were out at what like two thousand and one, right, around there, yeah, yeah, around there, yeah, I think it's you know when you I think it's one of those things like when you turn a certain age, you kind of go, yeah i I really thought different thoughts back then, now my thoughts are not this, you know, was that sort of a thing um
1: well you you're always evaluating as you go through it, how much fun you're having. And you always, you always sit back if you're a normal person and weigh the positives and the negatives about the whole thing. And I really wasn't having that much fun anymore. Mm -hmm. But I was also aware of, I always have this thing where it's like, I don't want to, you know, uh, stop something and then regret quitting. So I sort of make sure I get everything out of it that I would need to get out of it. And I sort of did that i sort of think i played a bit too long with the band mm-hmm. but i wanted to do the last album and the last lineup that i played with with shane and on drums and playing with matt was uh, it was awesome yeah it was it was awesome you know yeah it was it was I, very tight like, yeah we had a lot of fun and totally loved playing with those guys so that made it sort of palatable yeah but then it just sort of came a time which is like oh, okay i'm gonna you know do something else
0: yeah well how old were you when you left were you in what age oh god Two 40 ish 40 ish yeah
1: late 30s 40. yeah
0: that's a time when people go yeah i think i need to think i don't want to be this guy at the punk club i don't want to be the little creepy guy at the punk club anymore you
1: know yeah and they i mean the other side of my life financially was never really set up And right. the crazy thing is like i went back to school but i, I went into radio which was <laughs> just like i look back and i was like that's crazy like why did i do that and i remember i was going to take a trade i was going to uh I think I would take plumbing or something like that. I was going to take a trade or go into broadcasting and it was, I wasn't sure. And then I talked to, uh, my wife's cousin who's a plumber. And for some reason I just said, like, oh, I'm gonna do radio yeah. and probably should have taken the trade, but oh. just for reasons now it's like, cause I was sort of wanted to get some kind of financial, more financially set. And, but anyway, I went into radio for a long time yeah. for eight years, not 10 years.
0: Yeah, are you still kind of doing it? You still no, no? I'm done. Yeah, what I'm are you done? What are you doing? Any radio? Yeah, Hate
1: radio. Uh, I work. <laughs> I work for Canada Post. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in Sydney, I do. I'm like an on-call rural delivery guy. Yeah, I take care of my son Gus a lot of the time. Make yeah, sure he's happy. Yeah, and and I uh, play a little bit of music. I've been working on uh, songs for Gus on my ukulele. And there's like eight or ten songs, which is not very. I work on it for spurts at a time, mm. and I haven't worked on it for quite a while because we've been in transition, moving into this place, and there's a lot of things going on. It's just like really busy when yeah. you have kids. It's hard to find time to do anything. Yeah. So I'd like to get that done. I'm putting out the the SNFU songs, those two demo songs on seven inch, which is uh, kind of a fun project for me because mm. I'm just doing it from a really. For myself, yeah. I don't really care. It's it's actually it's like old. De- it's just a demos that being chided on a four track, and I downloaded them into Logic and added a bunch of stuff on top of them. Mm-hmm. And they're really, I think they're they're not typical SNFU songs, but I keep been listening to them for you know ten, fifteen years, yeah. and I always like them. But and they're and they're not really complete. But and there is issues with them. Because on the transfer, the transfer wasn't done properly. There's just only one track. So there's like four tracks all on one. So I couldn't remix it oh. and get the levels. But it it is what it is. And I think it's cool. The one song is very uh, a kind of a downer mm-hmm. song. It's a song called Happy Number. But it's sort of, uh, I don't know. I, I think it's really good. I think a lot of people will be like, I think it'll get a good reaction. Uh-huh. or it'll give a reaction of like, Oh, I didn't expect that. Or, you know, and if that, and if, it, and then there's another one planned after that, there's a couple more songs that I can release as a seven inch too. Yeah. And I'm really just doing it to put it out there because there's people who are still interested in SNFU and they want to hear some of the stuff. I know they do because I've done like the pre-orders like 250 or something. And I get I'm still waiting for the record. There's been delays in the record. I'm supposed to get it in a couple of weeks and I'm just going to do the mail out myself, which is nuts. <laughs> so I'm going to mail it. <laughs> so, and just trying to cut out the middleman, because when you start talking to distributors and things like that, mm. you don't make any money off a record. It's impossible to make any money. Yeah. Yeah. In, Even today, to
0: still like people have figured out new ways to rape the, the musician <laughs> just a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: Cause when I started looking into it, it's like, okay, well I'll get my, friends at blah blah distributor to, and then it's like they tell you what their cut will be and what you'll get it's like oh yeah how do you even make money
0: yeah
1: off it's insane yeah so i'm just gonna do it myself and it'll just be like fun i'm just looking at it like a little arts and crafts project like that i don't have. i'm not trying to sell like a million records or make a ton of money i just want to make enough money to put out the next one yeah that's all
0: But that's i mean that's the whole thing it's your it's your it's kind of your hobby now like music seems to be that kind of stuff is more more of a hobby
1: it, and you have it's what it has to be you have to yeah. sort of love it and and i i just sort of want to do it and just sell enough records to the, the fans that really like it i don't want to i'm not trying to make new fans or anything like that or promote it or like you know, i mean you have to put it in a little bit but yeah. i'm not going to like you know there's no marketing team or anything behind it It's it gets so so tired of that whole yeah. thing you know
0: yeah i mean did you find over the 20 30 years of playing music that it's like do you get a cuz I do. Sometimes I get the what's the point? Like what are we what's what are oh, we yeah. What are we trying to achieve here? Oh,
1: <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> uh, cuz I I really haven't done that much music in like 15 or quite a long time. Yeah. And and I but I always think about it. Yeah. and It's been such a part of my when I was a teenager, it's all I wanted to do. And then I did it for a long time. It's like and I loved it. Yeah. Even when like the when it was really bad, I still loved going on tour and like perform for people and playing our songs and doing it all but so now even though so i think about it all the time but i can't think of it's like well, why do i want to do it it's like yeah. and it's like what you said it's like what's the point yeah. and you can't think of so you have to just do it for yourself you have to find yeah like my my, my seven inch single that i'm going to put out it's just like two songs that i like
0: yeah
1: i don't really care if anybody else likes them but i think they're interesting and it's going to
0: put them out, and it gives for... perspective to the band. I mean, it doesn't just, you know, uh, you know the fact that you know touring with a band that's been around for thirty years, it kind of it's a brand. You know what I mean? Still, regardless, however you look at it, it's still a brand that needs to be represented in a positive light. Um, yeah, you have to, you know. I say I don't know that part of it. I don't know. Like I didn't, I didn't sort of grow up in a band that. Was sort of a household name in the punk rock communities that influenced so many people. Like, I was just li- listening to the new propaganda album. There's a, on the song on there in Victory Lap that I was like, This is very SNFU. I don't know if you've heard that album, mm. but there's, it's very SNFU. And you can tell that they're super influenced by, you know, Canadian punk oh, rock. I rock know they does.
1: Yeah. Todd Todd, and Chris, I've talked them before. I know they're fans. Yeah. Of the band. Yeah. I got off. I got, actually got asked to play a guitar in that band. Really? Sort of. Like recently yeah. or? Well, when I was in Thunder Bay, Todd tweeted a message to me or something. I think it was on Twitter. And he was like, would you ever p- play guitar for Propagandy? <laughs> and I, I wasn't like, I was like, yeah, of course. That'd be really cool. Yeah. And then it, it didn't, nothing followed up. Yeah, yeah. And then when I, uh, two years ago when they played in Victoria, when I saw them for like the first time. Yeah. I was like, well, I finally get to see, it's like Super Bowl Sunday. Oh, I yeah. finally get to see Propagandy.
0: Yeah.
1: and. uh so I was talking to Chris. I was like, did you ask me to play? He's like, yeah, we were asking you to play. Guitar. <laughs> i <was> like, what? It's <laughs> sort of like a weird way to ask you to play. Guitar. But yeah. I don't know if I really would have done it anyway. Yeah. But I would be like, I was sort of honored to be uh, to be part of that band. would be amazing. Propaganda is an amazing band.
0: They just, yeah, they definitely are. Yeah, it's so interesting. Um, how they take their music is very serious. But at the same time, they don't really carry themselves in interviews like serious like we're sure this is our thing they, <laughs> you know they're just they're a bunch of knuckleheads you know they're canadian knuckleheads they say a hey, all yeah. the time they eat poutine or they don't eat poutine probably vegan poutine but they're just hosers you know what i mean and that's yeah. such a neat pr- you know juxtaposition to people who you know meet you know it's if you met your idol for the first time and he was a total knucklehead you know what i mean like you'd expect you know i don't know it's weird right like
1: it is a big juxtaposition because they do. I mean, the music they create is so powerful because the music is so intense and powerful. And then when you add their message, their message is yeah. they're not singing about, you know, Eddie Vedder needs a new sweater or whatever. <laughs> they sing about really crucial things, you know, and yeah. it, and it And that music with that lyric, it just makes it so intense. It sounds so important. Yeah. It's mind blowing, you know? Just
0: how he puts lyrics into songs, words into songs, is like that first song on that new album, you're like, the Victory Lap song, you're like, how do you do that? Because you like carry the verse on for like an extra breath as he's, I don't know if you've heard the album, but it's like this moment where you're like, how do you do that? Like, how do you think that in your brain? Like, how do you make that come out your face like that? Like, it's amazing. And, yeah, it's it's very inspiring, you know, because they're not young guys either. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're all like in their yep. late 40s, mid 40s and they're all still kicking it and still doing it and they do it because um it's inspiring to me because when when I said what's the point? I kind of meant like I need to have a reason. You know, I need to have a reason as to why I'm going to do this. And my reason is do I enjoy this or do I need to do this? this? Isn't something I need to do anymore in my personal life? Like I don't need to play music. I love playing music, but I don't need that anymore in my life. Is is it something like, do you feel the same way? Like is priorities, different priorities, obviously as you get older, but.
1: Um, well, yeah, it is a lot of that. I mean, you always try to figure out why and you figure out do you want to do it. And I think I always also associate the way, I mean, when I was doing music full time, I was like fully committed to music on. It was like the biggest thing in my life for a long time. And, and would Everything was around music. Mm-hmm. Everything in my social life, everything I do would be like around am I going on tour, or recording? And so I think about I think about music and I think about making a band or thing. And I I think that I think it has to be done hundred percent or not worthy doing at all. Yeah. So the idea comes up is I just get overwhelmed. It's like, I can't do that. Yeah. I don't have the energy. Yeah. And and maybe I I don't think that I can just do it sort of like, yeah you know, like, okay, I'll do this sort of yeah. reverse once every month. And I probably should. Yeah, Because I think still think of myself as a musician, but uh, I do think there's a bit of that. It's like, if I, if I can't do it 100%, I don't really want to do it.
0: Yeah, you know, I know that about you, too, when it comes to anything. Soccer, I mean, when you got into soccer, it was like, it became very important. And golf is very important to you. Sports, hockey, is hockey still like a thing, right? Like
1: uh, I still play hockey yeah, all the time. I mean,
0: because you can do that 100% when you're doing it um and and there's a time and a slot and a priority in your life it's that night or whenever you do it like i have friends that play five times a week because i love it so much you know like yeah but the, you know i just yeah to me it's like music is a uh i love doing it i have all the gear i mean that's the part I'm, I'm i'm very blessed with the fact that i can just sit down and record a song and make it sound like something that should be played on the radio and or played like but you know sounds good but it's to me it's like I've built all the stuff around me for the fact that it's like I don't know. I'm still I'm still thinking about why do I wanna do this? Like I've put a band together with some friends of mine and we started recording a year ago. A year. And we have these songs and they still gotta be sung on. And I'm keep you know, hey, you wanna like, do it? And everybody's dads or they have other bands or they have lives. It's really tough to to sort of rally the troops like this and when you get in your age that we're getting, you know? And there's there's that sheer everybody's got that little bit of jadedness in them, just a little and enough to go, okay. Well, why do I want to do this, you know? And if I start saying, hey, we're we gonna start jamming three times a week, everybody be gone, everybody done, right? It's tough to rally the troops. That's what I was I was going with. Like it's tough to to get everybody in that same mode and to have that same. Well, we just want to make music. Like. That's what I want That's to do. That's why I
1: sort of under, I understand why old bands get back together. It seems yeah. like so common, and it makes sense because it's like there's less. Everyone knows each other already. It's like less garbage to deal with. It's just like let's just play those songs we used to play. It's a lot easier. Yeah. People love them. We get a lot of people come out,
0: <laughs> and like it. Nah. Yeah, right. yeah. Starting a new band. I mean, starting Wheat Chiefs after all those like after SNFU's success. It's tough starting a new band. I've had people quit my band and then come back to me five years later going it's really hard putting a new band together. You know,
1: it's very, <laughs> it is really hard. Yeah. Uh, the, the one, when we, with We Chiefs, We Chiefs was kind of hard when we first started, because I remember when we first made the band, we sort of assumed, because SNFU was pretty successful, that it's like, oh, people come out and it'll be like great shows. And it really wasn't quite on the same level at all. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but when Ed Dobeck and Rob joined the band, it was totally fun. And when we made, we did the first recording, the first We Chiefs album, that was like the, My favorite thing that we ever recorded, just the whole process was uh, so fun working with Merrick and, uh, Ed, Ed, like a legend, Mm -hmm. like anybody who shows up for a three week tour with a plastic bag, with a toothbrush and a t-shirt on (laughs) and gets into the van and doesn't complain the whole time. Come on. Like that's amazing. (laughs) And, uh, and super talented songwriter. And it was just fun working with those guys. And there was just less, uh, personality to deal with, with that lineup. So that was that was super fun. Even though there was not as many people coming out to shows, we were just it was fun.
0: Yeah. Oh, and also there was like some there was some people looking at you from afar, like labels, and going, "Hey, this looks. We could make money off this, mm-hmm. <laughs> right?" The 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 leches come in. They, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna make you star, kid.
1: Yeah, we had interest from Mercury Records. They actually made us an offer that we turned down and for some reason we didn't negotiate we should have started a negotiation but it never happened but i'm not i don't really think about that that much i don't think it is a missed opportunity really um we and we remember we did like a a showcase for a bunch of reps at a really small bar in la it was really bad like hardly any pa which is like waiting around all day and didn't we played really bad it was like was like a mic and and i think it was sort of a test i think it was done on purpose like that to see what we had to find out and we weren't really deemed i i know i wasn't really deemed as like a star lead front band kind of thing so it was like the consensus whatever
0: yeah it's interesting because you got well i mean years later you have people that are hideous that are making you know it's just this weird thing like the industry does this weird little fickle move where they go oh you're too old and you're too fat you gotta learn how to sing that's what they told me i was like (laughs) uh sorry (laughs) you know what i mean and then i went to a different country and people not people but the people i worked with they loved me you know because i was a person that spoke you know you know spoke in sentences and had a thought you know it's weird. North American business industry is still—I don't know if you how close you are to it—but it's still weird. It's still it's gross. It's still ugly it's, and gross, and you know, yeah. and it's tough to try to talk to the young kids in life and go, "Yeah, you know, being a rock star—it's kind of cool. Try that."
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, it's gross. The whole industry is gross. Yeah, I think you, so. Like all the people that are just like—I mean, there's there's some really great record labels Absolute. out there, and people yeah. that just want to put out music and serve the artist fairly. And, and labels deserve some money, you know, but yep. there's some things that they don't that they really take from artists that they don't really deserve at all. Yep. And there's a lot of exploitation uh, is the reality of it. And they just want to, you know, exploit you and yep. make tons of money off you. And it's kind of gross. It's like a lot of middlemen. Yeah. And and now I just like if I can have no middlemen, I'm happy way happier
0: yeah that's independent life is still always going to be independent life and it will always have a place in the industry because it's the antithesis of what the industry is i mean if you look at spotify as an example record industries own most of spotify and they sold out and pimped out all their bands for pennies on the dollar so they could have music for spotify because they'd invested in and now they're key players in it and that's how the record industry is now surviving you know they couldn't sell cds you know, so they just glommed onto this new thing that was new fifteen years ago, but figured out, oh, this is how we're going to make money at it. It's it's pretty gross, you know.
1: Yeah. And well, the people that the artists aren't being served that that well from the whole thing. No, it's and that's and they're the ones who really should be getting the, they should be the biggest benefactor.
0: Yeah, yeah. That model doesn't yeah. exist in Netflix. Like if you want to put yeah. a show out on Netflix, you get a pretty good paycheck, and you get good coverage, and you get good sort of marketing and. You're not making pennies per spin, you know what I mean? Like like the music industry puts to the music. Yeah.
1: Yeah. The value I think the value of music is very low these days.
0: Yeah. Everybody wants to put publishing, like make publishing their thing. Like for putting it on like T V commercials. That's a new thing. Well, it's not new, but that's that's the thing. That's how bands live. You know, make money yeah. now is putting it on a movie. You know, getting a song on a movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You wanna put a song yeah. in a movie? I mean it's well, yeah. it'd be I don't know. nice. It'd be fun, right? One day, one day, the SNFU train will flip around the other way. It'll come back again. and It happens, right? Everything travels in a circle. You never know. You never know. You never know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So golfing. I, I, I was around the day you quit golf. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Did you go at Northlands? Yeah. I was there oh, with yeah. you. yeah. I
1: wore pants. That was my mistake. <laughs> <laughs> that was insane. Like, just like walking that course yeah, was insane. The worst. But it's, it's on a mountain. And and not really knowing how to golf. Like being an experienced golfer was just like, forget it. It was
0: me, you, Rave, and Rob out for a day, walking up and down that mountain.
1: Just (laughs) losing ball, like not knowing what to do.
0: Sucked. But you got back into it and you actually you're you're seriously into it now. And that's that's the Mark Belkie I know. It's like, yeah, I want to get good (laughs) at
1: this.
0: (laughs) Just just be perfectionist and like work real hard and you know Well, I'm not
1: I'm not I love golf. I'm I'm not obsessed. I can't play all the time. I don't have the time to play all the time. Right. Yeah. I don't like I really only play like once a month, but I when I get out there now I cherish that. You know, I totally yeah. love it. And uh I start I started playing again when I moved up to Smithers and started radio because the station had a I could play for free at basically it was like a par 3 course yeah. or an executive course. Yeah. A little bigger than a par 3 and I could play for free and my wife wasn't up there like she was like competing back and forth so i had a lot of free time mm-hmm. so it was like oh, okay i'll just buy some irons and i'll just play and i just you know uh ride my bike down and play and i still wasn't very good i didn't really take any less than hadn't taken a lesson but i sort of didn't hate it and and moved to thunder bay and sort of had the same situation in thunder bay where there was cheap golf and the guy doing the other morning show in the station, our sister station, him and me were the same thing. We were both not from Thunder Thunder Bay. Both our wives weren't there, so we were both done in the morning, like at nine a.m. or ten o'clock. And we were sort of into golf. It was like, let's go golfing, and we would just golf all the time. <clears throat> and uh, and the secret to good golf is no secret. It's the secret to good golf is lots of golf. Yeah. The more you play, the better you get. Yeah. Yeah. And if you, and if you're open to advice and you, and you, you know, watch some videos and try to learn how to the right grip and just to op, be open to advice. And once you get better, once you start teeing off and it's like, wow, it's going 200 yards down the fairway and yeah. you're keeping it straight, it becomes yeah. really fun. Yeah. And, uh, and you're outside and you're just competing against yourself, you know, mm-hmm. And it's uh, it's not for everybody for sure because if you get frustrated really easily, it's not the game for you because you have to sort of be like, if you mess up, you just have to be like, oh wow, you know, what did I do wrong? Yeah. and and just be, and then just have to be like, well, wow, I'm outside, I'm playing golf, like this is great. Yeah, and that is that is golf. You'll be playing great for like four holes, and then mm. you 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 want to try to hit it a bit further or something, yeah. and then wow.
0: Yeah, it was wrong. <laughs> My arc in golf was like in the season would be like May, June, pretty good, getting better, and then once July hit, it got too hot, and I just started sucking up the joint, and then I wouldn't be able to play well. And this is fifteen years ago. I don't play much. I didn't play all last year. I'm gonna tr- try and get out. I have bought new clubs, and uh, twos, but I, I just, I, I just got it, you get good, and then you start developing bad habits, and then you can't get out of it until you forget how you the bad habits so then no, you know give the summer so a break things. and come back in the fall and then oh i can hit better now because the weather's better
1: yeah you start re- you have to rethink everything right from your grip it's like okay and you do think about it you'll be like walking there going okay am i holding? have a
0: hole in then you think about your
1: feet yeah it's that's what's so to me it's so interesting because you can go through that sort of checklist yeah it's like oh yeah what am i doing right and you usually can sort of figure it out and then if you just sort of you know take it a little easy and i don't know you can sort of repair it a bit and July, July and August, those are the worst months to play golf. Yeah. I, uh, I like spring, spring and fall. Yeah, And when there's nobody there, the prices go down. Yeah. And, you know, we get a bit of adventure. Sometimes it'll snow or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Anything with a little adventure uh, makes it better for me. Yeah. And I always I, think about golfing with my old friends. I'd love to go golfing with you. Yeah. I absolutely. love going golfing with, with Matt and, uh, my old friends always dream about that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, Listen, you know, I, I'm, I actually might be coming out that way in next uh, summer So with my oh, daughter because my daughter yeah. wants to go to Disneyland. So I might take a trip and then I haven't really made the whole plan yet, but I might rent a car and drive up to Vancouver and then fly home from Vancouver. That's a plan. Oh. That's a plan I'm trying to work through because we're going to go to Disneyland for like three days because that's enough like, for me. And then uh, I might visit some friends in L.A. and then drive up up the coast like take the long route. Not not take that what is it the 5? Is it the 5 down? Yeah. Yeah. Take the 101 or the whatever that one that goes close to the ocean. Oh. So that's the plan, but um because my son goes to this other thing that he wants to do a scooter camp kind of thing where it's him and then uh in spring my she'll just be like, "Oh, I'm by myself. This is awesome." You know, so we'll have that. We'll have our, and then we'll do our family vacation later on. But uh so I might nice. be out that way and play some golf. Yeah. Cuz uh sure. you know, it's same thing like I love golf, but I just like it's one of so many other things in life to do right now, you know, like work my my job, I work every night, you know, so it's tough to actually get out there you know and and work oh I
1: know you know I know work at i the don't game. play that I don't play that often
0: I yeah. don't play that often yeah well man i uh yeah i think we i think we uh i think we this is uh we had some good talks here this is um okay, I'm really glad that we got to do it because uh you know like i said I, I haven't talked to you in a while. And, uh, it's funny how, you know, you get older and life just sort of takes over and then you're like, oh my God, and, you know, here you are walking around with a little man you made, you know, and it's like, I have kids that I have ones in high school. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's insane. You know, so life is. Life- and you always think
1: about you, what do you think about you in high school? Yeah. Yeah, It's always the comparable thing. It's like, I mean, think about all the things that were in your head and what you were learning. It's like, yeah. oh my God.
0: Somebody sent me a picture today of us when we were on a ski trip in Killington. And I think I was 17 and there was a fridge full of beer. And it's like, that was me. That's, that's ever in like two and a half years. He's going to be that yeah. kid. <laughs> I hope not. I hope he's more sensible. He's talking to me today. I'm like, what do you want to do with your life? Like, what do you want to do when you grow up? Because I don't know what I want to do. I said, well, that's probably good. But you know, do you know, have a, what do you want to do? I said, you want to be a doctor? <laughs> you want to be a lawyer? <laughs> you know that'd be a smart, smart thing to do. He's trades saying, are good. Yeah, trades, trades are, are awesome. It's awesome. like, absolutely. Because this is, I mean, this is funny. I want to talk to you about this because my son plays guitar. He's pretty good at it, but I don't really. It's somewhat. I feel I'm torn because I I don't really push it. Like that's an amazing thing. Like I say, you do a great job. You play well. You have good technique, but I don't ever say you're going to live like your old, your old man, you're going to join a band and get in a van. And, you know, do you wish that, you know, like, what do you wish for your children? Like, like, I know, I know what I wish for my child. I just want them to have a better life. You know, that's why you become parents to begin with. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, but do you, do you think to have a gentle balance of music? Is that, is that, is that acceptable for you as a dad?
1: Um, well, I still listen to music all the time. Yeah. It drives everybody crazy around here. And uh, I play guitar. I've been I played been playing these ukulele songs for him, mm. and he takes piano lessons. So there's musicality there yeah. for sure. I don't know how much I don't I don't really feel like I'm gonna push anything. I think it's just to try to expose him to as many things as possible, yeah. see what he likes. If I'm really concerned, I want him to be happy in school because I had such a horrible time in high school. That if as long as he gets to that point, and he's, he loves going to school, that'd be that would be awesome. Yeah, that's fine.
0: Yeah. Cuz you just want your kids to be happy and you want them to be healthy and uh that's the most important part of being a parent, you know, like you see, it's funny how you start uh, being a musician too. I've had conversations with people that this being a musician sometimes can be a pretty selfish endeavor. You know what I mean? Like you kind of ignore the people around you and you get this tunnel vision into being what a musician is. And yep. that's a, a completely opposite to being a parent. Mm-hmm. Right, so it's it's you have to sort of reject that part of I do I reject that part of me, you know, because it's not fair, <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. So, well, I, you know, just um, yeah. I let's uh, see. So, you, so you're writing songs and you're playing music and it's sort of a thing. You're doing it and you're enjoying it. That's I mean to go thirty years. And come out of it that way, I think that's a pretty good pretty end result, right?
1: Well, I keep saying that, the, yeah, it's fine. I mean, I, always th- I still think of myself as a musician, even though I'm not doing that much. I mean, yeah. I want to get the kid's record out. The kid's record is sort of fun to do because there's such low expectations. <laughs> and, the, you, and you just want to keep the songs really simple, right? Yeah. So it's, it's really fun. Yeah. And the songs I've played for people, everyone says, oh, they're really good songs. Yeah. So,
0: well, let me know. Like sh- Maybe I can be helpful with it somehow.
1: Yeah, it'd be cool. Maybe playing a couple of songs.
0: Absolutely pretty good drummer. Been
1: Jason talking. Tate played on a couple of songs. What? Pack guy? Yeah. Hack. <laughs>
0: yeah. Whatever. But but
1: now he's too busy. Now oh, he really? really can't play it anymore.
0: I'm so ta- there's a couple more acts. Oh yeah, yeah. I haven't talked to Jason in 5 years. It's probably 5 years, yeah. Yeah, busy. He's busy too. Everybody's busy. We should have a reunion, a punk rocky reunion where we all meet in the middle of Canada. Unfortunately, it's yeah. Winnipeg. But we'll meet there and we'll we'll <laughs> It'll make it like an old boys fun club where we go make do it stuff. Like,
1: make it like Lake of the Woods or something. Yeah, nice yeah,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. Somewhere where we all sort of get together, have campfires, bring families, yeah. get all, like, do, do the forge. I'd be into that. I'm totally into it. Absolutely. Well, thanks, thanks for talking, Mark. Yeah, we'll talk again. And that was Mark Belkey. Ah, finally. 160 episodes, and he's on the show. Wow really appreciate Mark coming on the show he is you know he is punk rock history he's punk rock he's a punk rock legend and uh, not a lot of people can say that Metallica was influenced by them not a lot of people can and that's what Mark can say and he didn't say it. that's what I love about him he's so humble and he didn't you know didn't really get into the horn tooting stuff so yeah great conversation he's a real person and uh, he has real thoughts and feelings like everybody else in the world and that was a great episode thank you again for doing the show Thanks everybody for listening to the show. Don't forget, don't forget to go to uh, bose.ca to check out what they have on their beer line. Um, you can go to the beer store and buy that if you're in Ontario. If you're anywhere you can I'm pretty sure you can buy it all across Canada, and I'm pretty sure you can have it delivered to your house if you're in a certain part of um, Ontario. <sighs> don't forget to go to Appaloc.ca slash Amazon or Applec.ca slash US Amazon shop and support the show? Patreon. Come on, let's get on this folks. Patreon. Patreon.com slash Apple Let's get some patrons happening here. Up in this thing. So what do I have next week? I'm not gonna tell you because it's a secret. I haven't done the interview yet. So uh, my new job's really busy and uh, I'm really having a you know good time working but I, I just got this new kind of part of my job. I'm still working at the same place but I've just been busy getting things on track doing less sound and more organizing let's just put it like that and that's going to be happening for the next couple of months so it's great once it all gets leveled out it'll be fun i'll be able to get some more episodes in the can so to speak and uh have them recorded Have people you know on the show so yeah there you go everybody thanks again for listening to the show we'll see you next week have a great one bye-bye